Welcome to the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. To stay connected, go to revivaltoday.com. And now, here is Evangelist Jonathan. I want you, if you have your Bible, open it with me to Mark chapter 11. So there's no daytime services, but we are going to have service every night at 7 o'clock. Mark chapter 11. Mark the 11th chapter. The Bible says in verse 20. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw a fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. If you read earlier in the chapter, Jesus went to get figs and there was nothing but leaves. So he cursed the tree and... um, Peter was surprised because when they went back, the tree was withered from the root. Abraham, let me get the video of of that lady that got healed of the seven strokes at church last Sunday. And let me get the airplane video too. I want want to show that. Let me also get the church video that has the lady in the wheelchair that we prayed for from New Jersey. It's just just real quick where I lay hands head to head. Thank you. Mark uh, 11. So the tree is withered from the root. Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Everybody say, have faith in God. God. Now, these are already disciples who had faith in God. So for Jesus to tell the disciples, have faith in God, shows that there's another use for your faith besides going to heaven. Some people, the only thing they know about faith, and probably I would blame the U.S. Census form, because faith is not a verb. Faith is, I'm Catholic protestant or other but faith is a verb in the bible then jesus seeing their faith the bible says ministered to the man that was lowered down from the roof and the crippled man walked another time seeing their faith a man who had a withered hand his hand was restored so i uh, uh, probably the best the best which is why it's preached on so much illustration of faith and what it can do everybody say what faith can do probably the best illustration is the woman with the issue of blood. Because the Bible says there was a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years, had spent everything she owned on doctors, and was no better. In fact, she was worse. Yet when she heard about Jesus, she said to herself, I know when I touch him, I will be made well. Now think about what she could have said. She could have said, when's Jesus coming back around here again? Do you know if he's going to come down this way? You know, you have an issue, your issue of blood. If you study it, she's bleeding out, which makes you weak. And you're in the Middle Eastern heat and there's no Uber or anything. You got to walk. So you think, well, I, I can't go. I, 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 need, I need him to come to me. But that woman had so made up her mind that she wanted to be healed that she said to herself, I know when I touch him, not I'm waiting until he comes here. I'm going to go and make contact with him. So she journeyed to where Jesus was. And the Bible says she pressed through the crowd. And grabbed the hem of his garment. And Jesus immediately felt healing virtue go out from him. And the Bible says the woman could feel within herself that she had been healed. Jesus turned around and said, who touched me? Think of this now. Because some of us grew up in churches where they taught 
that God's sovereign. If God wants to do it, he'll do it. If he doesn't, uh, he doesn't. It's not for us to question. We just have to trust his will. Say something with me, and I won't have you repeat things all night like a parakeet, but the things I do have you repeat, I want you to remember. Say this, faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith starts with knowing what God wants done. When we started our church in Pittsburgh, some of you have followed us the last 22 months. There's no doubt in my mind that God wants churches to grow. The Bible teaches that from the book of Acts. The, the church in Jerusalem exploded. The churches that went elsewhere. Paul was given instruction to the pastors there how to grow the church. So if I was shaky on whether God wanted a church to grow, well, you know, we're going to do our best. But ultimately, God has a plan for small churches too. We, it's not up to us. See, as long as you keep things in that realm... There's no confident assurance. Faith is the confident assurance that what we hope for will come to pass based on the word of God. So you have to know and settle what is God's will. That's where daily study of the Bible comes in. Because if you don't know the Bible, that, that was another thing I dealt with today in church. How the Bible was kept chained behind the pulpit for years. The priest was to read it, the, the, the pastor, but... You weren't to read it. You know, no, don't read that Bible. You'll go crazy reading that. That's for religious people. Like my mother. My mother grew up, uh, our family on that side has a Polish background. They would do Polish mass in Polish. And then it was a form of Polish that the, even Polish people didn't speak anymore. It was like an antiquated uh, 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 type of speaking. That's what the devil wants. The devil wants the Bible to be like gobbledygook. You know, uh, something, I don't really understand that. He wants it to be in the King's English, so you, you have no reference point to it. God wants his word, like I talked about this morning in Pittsburgh, that the Bible, when it got unchained from the pulpit and Gutenberg's press got it into the hands of the people, you start cracking that thing open. I've watched my daughter do it from age five and six with my wife. You start reading, I'm created in the image of God. I'm not a victim. I'm a, I'm a child of God. God has a destiny for me. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plan I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and never to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. From God's word, I start seeing, A, who I am, and B, what God's will is for my life. Well, then what happens? What happens when you start seeing that God's will for your life is not taking place? Well, then you, you, you have a choice. Like, well, guess that doesn't work for everybody. Or by your faith, you can say, Father, I see this in your word. I take it as mine. And I believe that you're going to bring it to pass now in Jesus' name. That's what, that's what that woman did with the issue of blood. She didn't say, well, if Jesus is healing people, why am I still sick? No. She said, all right, if he's doing that, I've not experienced anything like that. But I'm, I believe you, and I'm going to go and touch him. I'm going to make contact. I'm not going to leave. Well, you know, hopefully he'll come and do that. For, think all the things that woman could have said. Anybody know when he's coming to Capernaum? If he loves people so much, how come he doesn't help me? Nobody needs help more than I do. She could have talked like that. And if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there were all kinds of people who did talk like that and mocked him. 
Jesus was on the earth. And people were, were I don't believe that. I don't believe you're the son of God. We know who our father is. You don't know who your father is. Your mom tells some story about how God got her pregnant with, with you. We don't believe that. There were people that didn't believe then. And there's people that don't believe now. But thank God I'm not talking to those people tonight. There's people that believe then. And I'm in a room full of people in New England that after years of indoctrination on television and public school, here you are on a Sunday night saying, no, I believe God. I believe his word. I believe that he's a miracle working God and what he's done for others, I know he can do for me. If that sounds like you, go ahead and put your hands together. Give the Lord a mighty, mighty shout. Video ready or not ready, Abraham? No. All right, take your time. So say this, faith in God moves the mighty mountain. Have faith in God. Jesus cursed that tree and it withered up from the root. Think of what Jesus could have said in this story. He said, yes, I did that. I'm the son of God. Don't you go, don't you go trying to do it. You're just fishermen and tax collectors. No, Jesus made it a point to say, listen to me. If you have faith in God, you see how I did that to a tree? I say unto you, you can say to this mountain. Jesus was never trying to get people cut off. No, I do that. I'm God. You're just people. Mark 9, 23. All things are possible to him who believes. Mark 9, 23. All things. How many things? All things are possible to the one who believes. Matthew 19, 26 says, humanly speaking, things are impossible, but never with God. For with God, all things are possible. So all things are possible with God. But Mark 9, 23 takes it to another level. It doesn't just say all things, because if you left it at Matthew 19, 26, well, with God, everything's possible. But Jesus said, if you have faith in me, and what's Jesus? The living word. If you have faith, this is not some kind of blind faith. Well, I believe whatever Jesus wants. No, I believe what God said applies to me. If you will believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Faith gives you the ability to step up and stand on the same platform with God. God told Moses, stretch forth your hand and divide the water. Turn to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus, the 14th chapter. Exodus 14. Moses is leaving the Israelites out of Egyptian bondage, and they come upon a little problem. And by a little problem, I mean an enormous problem. There's a body of water called the Red Sea that they need to cross. Pharaoh's changed his mind and has the largest army on the face of the earth pursuing them to kill them. So they can't go backwards. And there's a body of water in front of them, and he needs about 1.3 million people to get across. Now you think, not even the Red Sea, you just take some lake around here. And you need to lead 30 of us across it, and there's people coming to kill us. That's serious. You need to bring 1.3 million people across the Red Sea, not Red Lake, Red Sea, 
And then you don't have a couple of bandits coming. You have a military coming with chariots. So Moses said in Exodus 14, 13, and Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. Everybody say, don't be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you will never see them again. Verse 14, the Lord will fight for you, but you will hold your peace. Now, I've heard people preach whole sermons on verse 14 because I guess they never read what happened in verse 15. How many know we should just hold our peace, let the Lord fight our battles. You know, when you, when you drive through New England, and, and now increasingly more and more in the country, France has, I think, 40,000 plus churches that are up for sale. As things fall out of this Bible, you can tell everybody that has OCD because they can't just let it leave there. <laughs> but God will deliver you tonight. As you go to France, there's 40,000 churches that are up for sale. And uh, what, what, what causes that? Somebody sells people a mentality on Christianity that Christianity is basically waiting on God. Like we have this slow, stupid God that if it were up to us, it would be done much faster. But how many know we have to trust his plan? How many know God broke Paul out of prison late in the midnight hour? Sometimes we want things done now, but God does things late in the midnight hour. Yeah, Paul did get broken out of prison late in the midnight hour because he was thrown in prison at like 11.15. They threw him in. He prayed and sang praises unto God. And then there was an earthquake and he got broken out. He wasn't in there no nine years. Can you say amen? So I really believe that in growing up in church, that there's this mentality that we want things. And now I really believe that a lot of ministers preach that because it takes them off the hook. How I many know we want healed now, but God isn't always interested in healing now? Well, what does that do for me as a minister? Now, I don't have to pray for anybody. I'm teaching you to accept what your problem is. But I've been preaching nine things they never told you about Jesus on Sunday mornings at my church. Because they tell you to be Christ-like, but you got to know who Jesus is. Not Catholic Jesus, not, not Protestant Jesus, not Assemblies of God Jesus, not Greek Orthodox Jesus. Who does the Bible say that Jesus is? Did Jesus make people comfortable in their problem? Did he tell people that were oppressed by demons to just learn how to deal with the oppression and one day it'll be over in heaven? Did he tell sick people to stay sick? Did he tell crippled people that one one day they'll dance on streets of gold. Did he tell people that they have to wait till they die to get free? Or did he come down from heaven to bring heaven's power to people that were hurting and suffering? Oh, yeah. So then what? But So then you're, now that you see that, you know, there's no denying it. That Jesus set captives free. Then you, you either have to get on board or your last bullet in the gun is to say, yes, Jesus did that. But wouldn't it have been wonderful to be alive when he was alive? But he's gone. He's up in heaven. And we're just here to suffer. God saves his greatest battles for his bravest soldiers. As if Jesus is looking. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, If you fathers being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father Give good gifts. Everybody say, give good gifts. I'm telling you, it'll change your life if you realize that God didn't send his son to die on a cross and have a relationship with you so he could start giving you greater battles. 
He came because he was grieved at the battles that people were fighting. You know what Jesus said to rebuke the priests of that day? He said, you put a burden on people that's too harsh for them to bear, and you don't lift a finger to help them. That's what religion does today. You have a son that's on heroin. Well, we all go through things. No, Jesus came, and no matter what their sickness or what their disease or if they were possessed by evil spirits, one touch from his hand healed them all. Then he said, the same work that you see me do after I leave, I will pour out my spirit on you. And the same work that you see me do, you shall do in greater, for I go to the Father on your behalf. Yes, ask anything you want to, and I will give it to you that your joy might be full. I want to tell you in Massachusetts tonight, there's nothing the devil has done to your family or your life or your body that God can't do something about it tonight. You're only one prayer away from the power of God, picking you up out of whatever pit you're in and setting your feet on the rock to stay. If you can testify to that, take 15 seconds, clap your hands, all ye people, shout unto God with the voice of triumph. We serve a mighty God whose hand is not stretched short that it cannot save. If you believe it, can you shout Amen. Just hold your peace. The Lord will fight for you. See, faith is not passive. Faith is an action. Then Jesus, seeing their faith, what was their faith? They tore the roof off the place and lowered their friend down. And people must think like it was okay to do that back then. (laughs) Let me tell you something. There's no culture at any period in history where it was okay to destroy somebody's roof. If anything, it was probably worse back then because there was no Home Depot in Israel. You know, it could have, could have been mud baked into the walls that you've not only destroyed the roof, you've ruined the home. And those guys must have made up their mind. I'm going to do what I have to do. You can't get in the house. That place is full. Then we're going to find a way in. And when Jesus saw that, he went, now, guys, things are starting to get ridiculous now. No, Jesus, seeing their faith, the way I was trained in Christianity at Bible school, they, they always were pointing out people that had what they called hyperfaith. But if you read the Bible, nobody was ever rebuked for having too much faith. Only too little faith or unbelief. Can you say amen? Yeah, you'd think if people were tearing a roof up, you'd say, you people are out of control. I will not pray for you. But Jesus stopped everything he was doing and seeing their faith, ministered to the man on the mat, and he got up and walked. That's faith. So Moses said, now listen, we got to cross the Red Sea. Just stand still, hold your peace, and God will fight your battles. But look at verse 15, Exodus 14, 15. There's a man named Dr. John G. Lake that preached a whole sermon on this, and it was entitled, Moses Rebuked. Then God said to Moses, wherefore dost thou cry unto me? What are you getting me involved? Stretch forth your rod and divide the water. Moses was given a rod by God. And that rod was his authority and power. And God had said, I will make you as a God to the Egyptians and to Pharaoh. In other words, you will operate on my behalf. It's a picture of what we are as Christians. What does the word even Christian mean? In Antioch, where they first called Christians, which means what? I'm glad somebody else said it. 
Little Christ. That's what they called him. These people act like Christ. He prayed for the sick. They pray for the sick. He cast out devils. They cast out devils. He left everybody shouting and happy. People came in sad and left happy. These Christians make people that were sad. The Bible says in Acts chapter 8 that Philip went to Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And many that were paralyzed were healed. And many that were demon possessed. The demons came out screaming as they left. So there was great joy in the city. Christianity is not a religion of sorrow and weeping and sadness. Christianity is righteousness, joy, and peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Yeah, you can't stray from the roots or you lose all the power. Then it just becomes a place everybody meets and is sad. Put your prayer requests in the wooden box on the stage. None of the prayer requests ever get answered. We're going to put a a slide up of all the people that are sick and couldn't get to church today. Let's keep them in prayer. When did Jesus ever keep anybody in prayer? And a blind man came to Jesus and said, sir, I want to see it. Jesus said, we'll keep you in prayer. No, he ministered to him. It didn't matter how severe the problem was. So I believe, and I believe it's happening right now, that all there has to be for America to be shaken one more time by the power of God is a slight adjustment. Where we start realizing what were we trained with as assemblies of God people or church of God or church of God in Christ or just independent charismatic, whatever. What were we trained with to do as ministers and Christians that actually isn't in the Bible? You know, you'd be shocked if somebody came up to you and said, I don't know what to do. I'm going through this problem, this problem, and this problem. Well, what would most Christians do? They just get on the train with them. Oh, yeah, tell me about it. I'm having the same thing happen at my house, my kid. So so you just trade bad stories. But what would happen if every time somebody came up to you? How many of you, by a show of hands, somebody comes up to you uh, three times minimum in a week, somebody comes up to you at work or in family and tells you, divulges a problem that they're having? Now, think of this. What would happen if when they did that, You said, instead of saying, no, I'm also battling depression, or my sister also has that, they got her on a medication, and it seems to be helping. What if you said when they confided in you, I've been having the worst few weeks I've ever had in my life. You said, let me see your hands. I'm going to pray for you, and God's going to help you. Do you know, I would would bet 0% of the time, they're going to say, no, because they, and first of all, even if they said that, you go, then quit talking to me. I didn't approach you. You approached me. Did you know the anointing makes people confess? When you carry the presence of God, when people get around you, they start opening up. That's why a lot of times you'll have people say, I don't even know why I'm telling you this. But I'm telling you why they're telling it to you. Because the Christ that's in you is starting to stir up what they buried on the inside. And God's not having them stir it up just to stir it up. He has you there as an agent of deliverance to set the captive free. I believe even this week, before we finish Friday, there's going to be people sitting next to you that you led them to Christ. You brought them into the power of God. And they're going to be changed in Jesus' name. If you believe it, can you say amen? What would happen if you took their hand and said, let me pray for you. See, what happens is you think you're not that anointed and you might be right. But what, because I felt like that too. 
I just think, what, what am I going to any church when my Uncle Ted's around or Rodney Howard Brown or whoever? What do they want to hear from me? You know, you might not be as anointed as you'd like to be. But they're not judging you on the scale of Billy Graham and Oral Roberts. They've never felt the presence of God one time in their life. And even if you're a two out of ten, you're a, to them, you're like going to be Moses, Elijah, and Jesus wrapped into one. And I say, man, I've never, you watch, just you saying Father in the name of Jesus. They're going to start weeping because they already opened up to you. Now God's going to begin to minister to them. So what causes that not to happen? That passive attitude that Moses had. Stand still. Today you'll see the Lord fight your battles. You won't even have to lift a finger in your defense. Verse 15. God says, wait. No, I don't agree. Why are you crying out to me? This isn't time for prayer. Take your rod and divide the water. Because God told him, I'm putting you in charge down here. Now, this is the part of the Bible that some people don't like. But that's their problem, not my problem. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, the heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to men. How many know God's in control? No, he's not in control down here. He put people in control. If God's in control, then somebody's got some splaining to do. Because every murder that takes place tonight, if God's in control, then that means he willed it. Or he made a conscious decision to allow it, which is tantamount to murder. So what you think doesn't even make sense. God allows what you allow. The heavens belong to the Lord. The earth he has given to men. The devil's not in control. God's not in control. You know what God said? Today I've set before you life and death. Blessing and curses. Oh, that. Who would choose? You. Your life is not a product of God's decisions. Your life is a product of your decisions. Even tonight. You could have chose to stay home. I've been working hard all week, you know. And um, I'll go to the service. I'll probably start coming Tuesday. And I'm sure that went through your head because it went through my head and I'm preaching. (laughs) You know, I'll take the night off. I could use a rest. But you didn't take a rest, did you? Here you are. Went to church this morning and then... Did a quick turnaround and came right back tonight. Some of you drove in from other states and stuff. Why? That's a decision. I'm hungry for the presence of God. I want to be in those meetings. I believe something good is going to happen to me. You know, I, I'm putting words in your mouth, but I, I, I would bet 99 to 100% of you, something like that came to you. I'm, you're not coming here to get punished. I'm coming there because I believe God is going to do something for me when I get there. Well, what's that? That's called an action. That woman with the issue of blood. Let me ask you a question. If God heals sovereignly, then how did that woman get healed? With the issue of blood. Because Jesus never, not only did Jesus never go to heal her, he didn't even know who touched him. Who touched me? Peter said, Jesus. There's a whole crowd around you. All kinds of people are touching you. And Jesus went, no. Somebody deliberately touched me. Think of that. So you can be around. Everybody can be in the same service. God doesn't bless groups. God blesses individuals that reach out by faith and say, I take it now, it's mine. No, somebody deliberately touched me. For I felt healing power go out from me. The woman, Mark chapter 5, the woman trembling at the realization of what had happened signaled that it was her. You know, 
If you're in the Middle East now as a woman and you go around grabbing men's clothes, it's not going to end well for you. So imagine what it was like 2,000 years ago where women weren't even supposed to talk to men, let alone reach up and grab their garment. So she thinks she's going to get beaten to death, stoned, trembling at the realization of what happened. She lifted her hand and acknowledged it was me. Jesus didn't rebuke her. He said, daughter, go in peace. Your faith has made you well. Say that last line with me. Say, your faith has made you well. Obviously, in context, it's what we read in Mark 11, 20 through 22. Faith in what? Have faith in? Have faith in what? God. It's not faith in crystals. Why have faith in the crystal when you can have faith in the one that made the crystal? Why have faith in things that are created? See, Christianity is not, I'm not carrying an olive wood cross that was carved out from the Holy Land or crystals or anything else. I'm not, I don't have to go to secondary things. When Jesus died, the veil in the temple was torn. I can go directly into the throne room of God and ask what I will and he'll give it to me that my joy will be full. That's what I want to introduce you to tonight. Faith is a relationship directly with God the Father. Can you say amen? amen. Daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well. So I'll even say to our friends in the Reformed Church, well, we believe the Holy Spirit did that through Jesus. We believe the Holy Spirit did that until the Bible was written, and then the Holy Spirit left. Okay? Even if you're right. Jesus didn't say, daughter, be encouraged. The Holy Spirit made you well. He said, daughter, be encouraged. Your has made you well. Turn to Romans chapter 4. Romans, the fourth chapter. I'm going to show you what faith does. Romans chapter 4, verse 16. You have my New Living Translation Bible, Abraham? Let me have it quickly. Thanks for bailing me out with a backup. Thanks, sir. Romans 4, 16. So the promise is received by faith. How, how are the promises of God received? The promises that are in the Bible have to be received by faith. How many people does God want saved? So everyone's saved, right? How many know if God wants something to happen, it's going to happen? Nobody can stop it. That sounds nice. That'll get people shouting, especially if you have an organ behind you. But it's not true. How many know if God wants to do it, there's nothing anybody can do to stop it? Actually, a simple reading of the Bible will show lots of things God wanted to do that because people wouldn't obey did not happen. God never intended for Israel to be led into captivity one time, ever. People wouldn't cooperate. How about Ezekiel uh, twenty-two thirty-six? I sought for a man to rebuild the wall of righteousness so I wouldn't have to come in and destroy the city, but I didn't find anybody. See, if you're going to preach on faith, the first thing you have to slap as the preacher is the lulling to sleep that's happened to Christians that 
Sarah. Whatever will be, will be. God wants to heal some people, doesn't want to heal other people. God wants to save some, others he doesn't. No, God has promises, but the promises are received by faith. So you can have $3 million in your bank account and starve to death if you don't know how to access what's in the bank account. you got to know the process. You can't stand in front of an ATM machine and cry. It's not fair. I'm starving. It doesn't care. But then if you know how to work the code, you can take out whatever you want. In theory, obviously, they limit you now to like $6 at a time. But you understand what I'm saying. Everybody say this. I have promises in my account. But I have to access them by faith. Well, what am I doing right now? How do you get faith? Faith doesn't come any way but one way. You can't sing for more faith. You can't pray for more faith. Faith cometh by and hearing by the word of God. So what people don't know is in their account, they'll never receive. Anybody that's sitting here tonight that's a born-again Christian, at some point, somebody had to preach to you that this is not some religion or something to go to at Easter and Christmas. There is a man named Jesus who was born of a virgin, the Son of God made flesh. He died for your sins. He rose on the third day and triumphed over death. He ascended into heaven never to die again, and he's coming back again. Somebody had to preach that to you, and one day when someone did, I'd love to pass the mic around and hear the testimony of the first time somebody preached that and it fired in your spirit and all of a sudden it wasn't some guy mumbling in a suit it came as crystal clear Jesus died I'm on my way to hell but I don't have to be on my way to hell I'm going to call on the name of the Lord and be saved and you did that and God saved you everybody say the promise is received by faith that's why you have to preach. Paul said, we shrink not back from, t- from preaching the whole counsel of God's word. Because what people don't know, they'll never receive. If you go to a church where they won't preach on healing, then you won't have faith for healing. And there's a lot of people that because they grew up in a church, or maybe they're in their 60s now, and they used to go to church, they went to healing, now they just go to some community church. So they know about healing, but their kids don't. Kids will never see a miracle. Faith has to, faith comes by and hearing the word of God. There's a continuous tense there. Faith comes by the continual hearing of the word of God. Pastor Brian was just down in Pittsburgh with me. We were having that minister's conference. Now, most things that were preached at that minister's conference, they weren't new to me and they weren't new to him. But the continual hearing of it keeps it sharp in your spirit. There has to be a, a continual hearing of the word of God in areas. The second you start going, I, I know about healing. I know about faith. I heard all that. You're, you're dying because it, it shows you don't have any hunger. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for the rightness of God, for they shall be filled. You're getting filled with faith tonight. That's why you can have an expectation that everything's turning around for your good and there's nothing the devil can do about it. Say it with me. The promise is received by faith. Okay, so faith begins where the will of God is known. You find out what God wants for you in the Bible. And then, you, then that's just step one. You knowing it's there does nothing. You have to access it. <laughs> there is a baseball player. I won't say his name because now these clips get sent to all kinds of people. I miss the old days when we were having the first revival and there was no live stream. You could say whatever you want. And then it was just my word against yours. Amen. 
There's a baseball player. You know, he grew up in Section 8 housing. So he, he gets signed. They give him a million-dollar signing bonus. This is back in the early 80s. Then they called him three months later. So-and-so, where's your check? He said, oh, I framed it. Put it on the wall. Well, it wasn't a replica. He framed the check. So he didn't have it. He's spending money. He didn't even have any money in the bank. He's got a framed check on the wall. They said, you need to unframe it and deposit it. Oh, nobody ever taught him. So he knew what he had, but he didn't know the process to access what he had. That's not a lot of, no, I know the Bible says I'm healed. But the fact of the matter is I'm sick. <laughs> See, I, I feel for people like that because they're not, they're, they just, it's a sh- little thing to correct and understand. The promise is not in effect just because the promise was made. The promise is received by by faith. Well, what's faith? How do you receive something by faith? How did you get saved? If thou wilt believe in thine heart, believe where? Not in your head and your heart. No, I agree. You've used like six scriptures. You're right. No. It's not, it's not just acquiescing that somebody's telling you the truth and you can't argue it. If you will believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, and it's not done there. Well, I believe. That's not enough. If you'll believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with what? You know, we're, we're in a heavily Catholic area, Massachusetts, Baltimore would be the same. So if you use the term confession, most people just think about confessing your sins. But there's a positive confession as well, not just a negative. And you should, the Bible does teach about confessing your sins. But then there's another way you use confession, like Jesus did with the fig tree. He spoke to it and cursed it, and it was cursed. And then he said, forget fig trees. You can speak to a mountain and command it to move. Well, we're not trying to move Mount Washington from New Hampshire to Oregon. What he's talking about is immovable things. Things that there's no chance of that thing ever working out again. You can speak to an immovable thing. Something that's going to be there. There's no changing it. And that thing will move if you have faith in God. Turn, um, let, let me, let me uh, take your Bible back. Go to Mark chapter 11 again. Mark eleven twenty two. Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Verse 23, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, whoever what to it? I'm believing it's going to move. He didn't say if you believe it'll move. He said if you say to it, if you'll say to, to who? God or the mountain? I mean, no, we don't talk to God about how big our mountains are. We talk to our mountain about how big our God is. No, that's not going to get it done. You're just going to end up in a mental institution. Excuse me, we heard you were out talking to mountains about how big your God is. So I'm, I, I'm not saying something just to make you laugh. I'm telling you, that's where people, good-hearted people miss it. Well, I'm, you know, people think because they're sincere, it's going to work. You can sincerely put diesel in a non-diesel vehicle. And sincerely hope it works. The gas tank doesn't care how sincere you are. Your car doesn't care how sincere you are. You're going to be in for major problems. 
So it's not, you got to lose, well, yeah, no, I know, there's all that faith, whatever. I think God just knows your heart. So you think that's God's attitude, that he just knows your heart? That's why I wrote a 1,200-page book, because details aren't important to him. <laughs> think of how detailed God is. God went through all kinds. He told you how to pray for the sick. He told you how to preach. He told you how, how to move immovable situations, and it's detailed. Rather than have some dumb, well, whatever, you know, God knows, no. Why not find out what the word says that was written by the author of life? Do it the word way, and I promise you, you're going to have much better results. Can you say amen? amen. Say to the mountain. So you speak to the thing that needs to move. Amen. Now, I wasn't raised like that. The denomination I was raised in, if somebody had cancer, you went like this. Father, we know you're... Ba- now, if I'm t- having a conversation this way, what do I need to have my hand on his shoulder for? To creep him out? <laughs> to wrinkle his shirt? What's the point of laying your hands on somebody if you're going to talk, talk to God? If you read the book of Acts, they never prayed for the sick like that. Then Peter, looking at the crippled man, said, look at us. Silver and gold have I none, but such as, such as what? Well, you guys are taught well. Not, most, most churches don't finish scriptures like you guys do. Everybody say, such as I have. Now think of that. Peter, being baptized in the Holy Ghost for one chapter, was conscious that he had something on the inside that he could give out to others. And I pray if you don't get anything else out of tonight's service, you get a confidence, whether you feel like it or not, I have something on the inside of me that I'm able to give out to others. When somebody opens up to you, God is doing that. He's not saying, well, they're opening up to you. I wish they were opening up to Pastor Steve instead. they got this jabroni. No. Everybody say, I'm a Christian. Say, Christ lives in me. Say, the hope of glory. Say, I can do all things. You can do how many things? Through who? Who? Who strengthens you? So in yourself, you might be weak, but you're not dependent on yourself. There is somebody on the inside of you that gives you power over sickness, over disease, over addiction, over depression. You're go- I'm telling you, the devil's in for a bad week in Massachusetts because there's not going to be a trodden down you. You're coming out of this meeting on fire, ready to bust the devil in the head and take territory for God. Go ahead. Take 30 seconds and let him know he's in trouble. Clap your hands. Shout. Give the Lord glory. Somebody shout hallelujah. Wrong Bible. I mean, it's the right Bible. but Have faith in God. For I assure you, you can say. Who can say? I need to call um, Pastor Brian and let him know. No, you can say. Amen. You can say. You can say. If a church is going to grow, we're bumping up at a thousand people right now at our church. I, I can't pray for everybody every week that's going. You have to train people by the word that, that every member knows they're a, a wrecking ball of the kingdom of hell. Can you say Amen. Everybody say, I can say. say. Now, not the small things. Again, look at what Jesus is doing. 
Master, the fig tree you cursed is withered. Fig tree, I assuredly tell you, you can say to that mountain, he's telling you what faith can do. Faith will move a mighty mountain. Faith will calm a troubled sea. Faith fed the Israelites in the desert. Can you say amen? You can say to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. And if you do not doubt in your heart, everybody say, don't doubt in your heart. Say this, and then if you're taking notes, you can write this down, but say it. Say, I can have doubt in my head and faith in my heart. It doesn't say don't doubt in your head. Your head will be screaming at you a lot of times while you're believing and saying what God wants you to say. There's an old evangelist. His name was R.W. Shambach. He was praying for a lady in the Caribbean, and the lady had breast cancer. And, you know, when you, go, when you pray for people in America, the doctors have patched them up enough that they don't look terrible or disgusting. But when you pray for people in, in overseas, they have, like, open cancers that, that are awful. So she said, Brother Shambach, I need you to pray for me. She's in the healing line. I have breast cancer. She didn't pull her whole breast out, but she pulled her breast open to where the cancer was. And there, there were like, uh, well, I won't describe it. Was, it was gross. And it looks bad. You know, it's festering. Brother Shambuck said, lady, close your blouse up. It's messing with my faith. Why? He had faith for her to be healed, but I don't need to be looking at that while I'm praying. That's why a lot of times it's helpful to have somebody like me come and pray because you've been carrying the person to the toilet and back. You've been carrying the person to the bathtub. You've been watching them deteriorate. But I just step off a plane and had a, had a nice beverage. I never saw that. So uh, my husband needs prayer. No problem. And I go to pray. No, no, no. Wait, it's, wait. I can already, it's not that easy. I need to tell you for a second how bad he is. No. No, that's why it's good to get somebody, because it is difficult. When you're watching somebody get worse or watching something on your body, you've been believing for a growth to dissolve, and it didn't dissolve, it tripled in size. That's the devil trying to get you over into unbelief. Because the Bible says, if you'll say, and then not doubt in your heart. An old man of God said, if unbelief ever gets in your head, don't let it get on the elevator and come down into your heart. That's why the Bible says, casting down every thought and vain imagination that would exalt it itself against the will of God. When the devil tries to mess with your head, that'll happen to everybody. You'll never, as long as you're on planet earth, you're never going to reach a point where your mind doesn't want to contradict what you're believing in the spirit. And the more intelligent you are, the harder it is. You know, it doesn't do you much good to go on WebMD when you're believing for something, look up what you have and go, there's a 1% survival rate of this. That doesn't help your faith. So what do you do? Say this out loud. I can't stop a bird from flying over my head. But I can stop a bird from building a nest in my hair. Wrong thoughts come to everybody. Especially on Interstate 93. I'm going to pull that guy over and beat the life out of him. But you didn't act on that thought, did you? No, I know you're not because you're not in leg restraints with a parole officer sitting next to you. Anybody's had thoughts like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock, you know, knock this guy out. 
Somebody got y'all wound up about something somebody said. Turned out they didn't even say it. You, next time I see that guy, I'm, 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 and you have thoughts like that come. But the Bible says, what do you do when those thoughts come? Take them captive and cast them down. You know, you can say, right, no, I'm not thinking about that, devil. I'm not watching some movie about a guy whose wife dies of cancer and he has to raise the children alone. And what would I do if that happened to me? No, that's not happening to me. We have a covenant with God. I'm a Psalm 91 man. No harm shall come near my dwelling. I take that thought captive and I replace it with a thought that's birthed on the word of God. Now, there's going to be many people that leave here tonight that your mind that used to torment you, now you're going to be in control of your mind. I'm not gonna, I, I've been having you repeat a lot of stuff. Forgive me, but I'm going to have you do one more. Say, my mind, my mind. Makes, a makes a wonderful servant and a terrible master. Your mind is not the captain of the ship. You know, I can't sleep at night. My mind's racing. And I, tell it to shut up. Don't do it with people around. Again, you'll end up in the mental institution. But you can say, I'm going to bed. I'm not thinking about that right now. You know, I preached this morning, got on a plane, preached here. Then I'm going to drive to my hotel. I'm sure I'll be fairly tired. I was in a week of meetings twice a day. That's not a time to start thinking about plans for the future. I don't know how much longer I can keep up this pace. No, it's one in the morning. Go to sleep, wake up, have some Dunkins, and you'll feel like you can take the world again. Amen. Don't make decisions when you're tired. And don't, 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 don't even dwell or meditate on important things when you're tired. It's not time. I saw my Uncle Ted one time when he finished preaching. I thought he'd be praying or studying. You know what he was doing? He was watching the Three Stooges and laughing. Sometimes it's just time to relax. And, and you know, in, in 1 Kings chapter 19, when Elijah said, I, uh, just kill me. I'm done. Uh, 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 Ahab's wife Jezebel wants to kill me. Just take me, Lord. I've done all I can do. Do you know God sent an angel? And you know what the angel did? Baked him pancakes. Sometimes you just need some ice cream. You don't even need prayer. Can you say amen? amen? You know what I did for a lady in our church? Her dog died, and she has nobody in her house with her. She said, this was the roughest week of my life. I'm all alone. So I did pray for it, but you know what I also did? We delivered a golden retriever puppy. You know why? Because, well, that got the biggest response out of everything. <laughs> You know, the Lord gave me that idea because when she was saying, I'm, I don't know what to do. I'm in the house all by myself and these thoughts come. I thought to myself, if you have a golden retriever puppy, you're not going to have time to get depressed. You're going to be cleaning up poop and pee and finding shredded shoes and shredded dresses all week. You're going to be worn out. You're going to sleep like a baby at night. That thing's going to run you ragged. That's right. Sometimes everything's not a devil. Sometimes you're just tired or hungry. Have something to eat. Lay down and go to sleep. And when you get up off that bed, pop up and say, I'm not going down. I shall not be defeated. Hey, I will not give up and quit. He that began a good work in me is bringing it to completion. Say it so the devil can hear you. I'm not finished yet. Say the best is yet to come. Yeah, so you don't let the, you don't let the devil dictate the course of your thoughts. And you, know, you don't let just Aaron information. That's why, again, everything I'm pointing you back to is the Bible. Read the Bible every day because it'll put a governor and a guard on your mind. What happens when you know the word is anytime you get information that's counter the word, like, no, that's unscriptural. I don't care how many facts you have. Your facts are unscriptural. Jonathan, it's 2020. 
They're locking everything down. The first thing people will stop doing during a, a bad economy is charitable giving. This is definitely going to negatively affect the ministry. What scripture is that? Bible says the path of the upright shines brighter and brighter until that perfect day. So everything you just told me is true from a natural perspective. But the Bible's not natural. The Bible's supernatural. It supersedes the natural. So if you'll cling to the word, believe it with your heart and say it with your mouth. You are loosing something Jesus called faith. And the devil doesn't have a plan for anything in that realm. Faith destroys the devil's plans. 100% of the time. I'm going to tell you right on this opening night, if life has been one defeat after another defeat, or one step forward and three steps backwards, one good month, two bad months, two months sober, six months in trouble, six months clean, then back into drugs, I'm telling you something's going to flip today. No more ups and downs, just ups and ups. From glory to glory, victory to victory, and strength to strength. I said from glory to glory victory to victory and strength to strength from glory to glory victory to victory and strength to strength if you believe it can you shout amen everybody say don't doubt in your heart do you know how you don't doubt refuse to doubt when I announced last March at our church it was at a prayer meeting 2331 people. I titled the thing On the Road to a Thousand. I wanted to lose my faith that our church was going to go to a thousand people. Yeah. The whole time I'm preaching it, my mind's screaming at me. There's 23 people here. <laughs> Seven look like they wish they weren't here. <laughs> they got lost. Come on. Are you out of your mind? You know, your mind, my mind's screaming at me the whole time I was preaching there. Shh. Yeah. You look nuts. On the road to a thousand. How about on the road to 25? <laughs> Take baby steps there. What do you do? Yeah. I'm not listening to you. It, it doesn't say, now if it said if you won't doubt in your head, we'd all be finished. But it says if you won't doubt in your heart. Anytime doubt comes into the head, don't let it get on the elevator and get in your heart. Don't start dwelling on it and meditating on it and running it by your backslidden aunt. With the Tweety Bird tattoo that over time has turned into a Big Bird tattoo. No? Everybody say, I put a guard on my mind. Check. I'm not meditating on anything that goes against the Bible. Are you a man over the age of 50? Who's asking? Did you know you have a one in six chance of having an enlarged prostate, which can lead to prostate cancer? Um, I'm trying to watch baseball, please. Isn't it amazing how the devil works? You can't watch anything anymore. You get Father's Day, Mother's Day, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Can't watch football. Everybody's got pink. We want to remember breast cancer that affects one in every three women. And I mean, my, uh, uh, Camila was watching... Um, PBS Kids, you know, just a harmless show. The whole show's on germs and infection. Make sure your parents, go ask your parents now and make sure you're vaccinated. I said, shut that off. You're freaking four. 
You don't need to be thinking about germs. Think about butterflies. It's half the fun of being a child. You don't have to think about stuff like that. Shut that off. That's the TV. You know, people used to preach against TV when I was a kid. I grew up Pentecostal. Called it the one-eyed monster. And the older I get, I believe they were right. And it's not, it's not just nudity and that stuff. I think it's even more that if you just, if you didn't know the Bible and you left your TV on, you would be a worried mess. I was telling my wife one time uh, in our living room, I said, think of the battle you have to fight as a Christian that knows the word to, to, to keep your peace. I said, now imagine if you didn't have the Bible. I've got a one in three chance of prostate cancer. I've got a one in three chance of breast cancer. Now you need to know it also affects men. Great. I don't even have breasts. And now I have to worry about breast cancer. Are you blonde hair and blue eyed? 82% of skin cancer cases. Oh, great. Now I got that. Bankruptcy, downturned economy. It's what every commercial is getting you focused on things. Are you a man over the age of 55? Are you a woman over the age of 55? Do you have depression and thoughts of suicide while slow, depressing music plays? No, I didn't at the beginning of the commercial, but now that you mentioned it, I'm starting to feel pretty crappy now that you brought it up. If you didn't have the Bible, holy moly, no wonder this country consumes 80% of the world's antidepressants. Every commercial. Getting you focused on blindness, hearing loss. Now they got these new commercials. Uh, hey, Fred, did you hear your friend Mark died? What? He's only 48. I know. Wife doesn't have anyone to care for him. Do we have life insurance? Oh, no. I mean, I'm young. Well, so was he. Then the announcer comes on. What about you? What about me? I'm in my own house trying to watch the freaking prices right. He had a stroke. He had an aneurysm. Just thinking about death. Turn to, put Hebrews 10, 14 up on the screen. I want everybody to see this. This is part of what we received when we got born again. And God's going to help you with this tonight. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. King James, if you, if you can. There you go. New King James. That's fine. But for by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Put 13 up. Just to make sure I didn't miss it. Uh, do 15. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us for after he had said before. Sorry, I had 14, wrong thing. Go to 14. Calling an audible. Hebrews 2, 14. I feel like the person in the control room was like, no, you missed it twice, I quit. <laughs> Hebrews 2, 14. Thank you for giving me a second chance. <laughs> How many know they're the media team of second chances? Amen. In as much then as the children, check this out. In as much then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death. He might what him? Oh, yeah. We're not in a wrestling match with the devil. Jesus didn't beat him. Jesus didn't pin him. Jesus destroyed him. 
I mean, anybody, if anybody can get that revelation, it's New England people. This is the home of using the word destroyed. How'd the Red Sox do? They got destroyed. People throw around, how'd the Bruins do? They destroyed the Rangers. So he destroyed the devil who had, not has, had, had the power of death. That means the devil doesn't get to pick when I die. Now, I'm going to tell you something, and, and, and if people do this, that's fine, because almost everybody I know does it, and they're not wrong, I guess. I don't pray when my plane takes off. I don't play, pray when we get ready to land. I am confident about life. The Bible says I have a long life. I don't go into speed tongues before we take. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, we, just, we come against anything that we're trying to. No, the devil doesn't get to pick when I die. I put my destiny in the hands of God, and God already told me what his will is. With long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. If early death has plagued your bloodline, I tell you tonight it stops with you. Get ready. You're going to live a long, healthy, strong life as a testament to the word of God. Say it so the devil can hear you. Death does not belong to me. Say life belongs to me. Verse 15. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. I don't want to push my luck, but can I see it in the NLT, New Living Translation? <laughs> Since I'm already making enemies back there. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as what? Slaves to the fear of dying. I don't know how you could sum up people that don't know the Lord any better than that one line. Slaves to the fear of dying. Never did, That verse rang in my ears for three years during the COVID lockdowns because you saw people that don't know the Lord. They were freaked out about dying. A lot of the pastors that shut their churches down, I wonder if, they, if they're born again. We could die. Where are you going? We could die. Well, first of all, I got news for you. You will die. Eat all the organic you want. You're dying. It is appointed unto every man once to die, and after that, the judgment. Only in this way could he set free all who had lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. I could, uh, I haven't, I'm, my, I'm not allowing my grandkids to come over until they get this vaccine ready. You're, you're, you got problems. You're a slave to the fear of dying. Be careful. How do, even in church. How are 90% of the people going to greet you on the way out the door? Be careful. Is that a scripture? No, the scripture is the opposite. Be careful for nothing. If I was careful, I wouldn't be going to Cabinda, Angola to join Dag Haywood Mills in two weeks. I'd stay in my house in Pittsburgh. I'm not careful. The goal of life is not to live. The goal of life is to make impact for the kingdom of God. Somebody say slaves to the fear of dying. They found a mark. I found a lump when I was shaving. I just want to get it checked out. You're, what if you were so confident on the word of God? Now, if you can move a mountain, certainly you can move that little lump. Say, hey, little thing that I cut while I was shaving. Kiss off in Jesus' name. You must have got lost and found the wrong throat. Beat it in Jesus' name. See, now you're getting interested in praying because I'm showing you how you can pray like a Boston person. Hit the friggin' road. Amen. Can you say amen? Yeah. 
You can talk like, you can talk like that with authority. Now, you can say, everybody say, I can say. To the mountain. Be thou removed. Cast into the sea. And my command will be obeyed. Moses had the same deal and he tried to back out of it. Stand still and watch God do it. That's, that's modern churches. Oh Lord, you see those that are here that are sick. We ask you, God's not doing anything. God did everything he can do. He's seated in heaven and he gave gifts to men. Moses was given a rod. With this rod, do signs. And I will make you as a God to Pharaoh. That rod was the rod of power. Well, what do we have? That rod was a type of Jesus because Jesus is the rod that grows out of the stem of Jesse. He had a rod that signified his power. We, by a mystery, have the King of kings and Lord of lords, not in our hand, but living on the inside of us. Say, if I don't speak, it won't move. But if I speak, that sucker has to move. And you don't look at it. No, that's not moved. No, no, no. Jesus cursed the fig tree. Looked exactly the same. They walked by one paragraph later. Wait a minute. Because it doesn't work from the outside in. It works from the inside out. That's why the Bible says, and I'll close with this for tonight. Say this scripture with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Say, we walk by faith and not by sight. Let me have... Um, Brother Jay and Brother Steve come up on, on either side. Spread out a little bit. No, other sides. So I'm going to be the devil. Pastor Steve's going to be sight. And Brother Jay's going to be faith. I think I've used this illustration before, but it's a good one. And I'm going to keep using it. When Conor McGregor said he was going to fight Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather's undefeated as a boxer. Conor McGregor's undefeated as mixed martial arts. Somebody asked me, who do you think's going to win? And I was getting, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a, I don't work for DraftKings. So I was going to say, don't laugh too loud. Everybody know you have a gambling problem. Uh, I, I didn't know. I was actually just getting ready to say, I don't know. And this came out of my spirit. I said, if Conor gets him to fight him in the octagon, he'll win. He's never lost in the octagon. You're not going to win your first fight. Floyd's never fought in an octagon. You're not going to beat somebody that's never lost in their home. I said, but if Floyd gets in the fight in the boxing ring, Floyd will win. Well, it turned out I was right. They, they decided to box. Floyd Mayweather let him punch himself out for seven rounds or so and then just went to town on him. His arms were dead. The devil, who's me in this illustration, has never lost... Are you sight or faith? You're faith. The devil has never lost if he can get you to fight in this ring. If he can get you looking at what you look at, what you see, what you hear, and go by that, you will lose 100% of the time. But if you make him fight you in the arena of faith and say, I'm not moved by what I see. 
I'm not moved by what I hear. I'm moved by what the Bible says. I don't care how addicted my son is and how depressed my daughter is. The Bible says salvation will come to my house and me and my house will be saved. And you quote the word, the devil won't last one round in that ring. So congratulations in advance because you're changing rings tonight and the devil won't know what to do with somebody like you. One final time, give the Lord the biggest hand clap and shout. Thanks. Come on, give Jesus the highest praise in Fitchburg. Wherefore dost thou cry unto me? Stretch forth your hand and divide the water. You have to do it. You can't throw back to God what he gave to you. God works through people. Has, now, there's, you know, there's, there's been, basically in the whole United States, there's a massive heroin problem, and this area is not excluded. Is heroin of God or of the devil? But has anybody ever bought heroin off a demon? No. Demons have to get people to cooperate with what they want done to do what they want to do on the earth. And so it is with God. God doesn't run around saving people. God gave his word to people. Oh, you, want to be, you say you're my follower and my servant? Then take my word. And preach it. Lay, and when you preach it, he gave the command. Mark chapter 10. Lay your hands on the sick. And the sick will recover. Let me, let me pray for this guy in the Patagonia jacket or, or whatever that is. You mind if I pray for you? Yeah, come right out. You're not in trouble. I... L- lift both hands if you would. I feel your faith reached out and touched God tonight. Things are not going to go the way they've gone. There's going to be... Like we put on our billboard by our church, Revival Today Church, the home of breakthroughs and turnarounds. God's going to give you a breakthrough and a turnaround in your life. Things are not going to stay on the same track. You're switching tracks. I'm going to pray for you, and I tell the whole room this. I feel there are many, many people that your life's been on the same track for a long time, and it's been a hard track. But you're going to get on a different track tonight. And like it used to, it was like trouble found you without trying. Blessings are going to find you without trying. Now, if I was a good evangelist, I would say now by Friday, if you come every night, that's going to happen. But I'm just telling you, if if you don't come back any services, I can't help that. I'm telling you tonight, God's going to bless you for being here on Sunday night. Everybody say, God has a miracle for me. Lift your hands. If you don't mind, I'm going to lay my hands on you. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet, the Lord touches your body. In Jesus' name. That's it. Take it. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. All things are possible to him that believes. If you'll believe, if you'll say it, believe it, don't allow yourself to doubt in your heart. That mountain will move. He spoke one time about what you believe and three times about what you speak because most people miss it in their speaking. They believe, but then their mouth is a free agent. No, I I just sometimes it's hard. You let your mouth say whatever it wants, but if you won't do it, Don't let the doubt come into your heart. Fill your heart with the word of God. Put the Bible on in in your house. Put something on on with with scripture and faith. Andrew Womack or whoever. Somebody that's pumping the word into you. And you're going to watch your mouth start to say different things. I know I'm going to make it. I know God's making a way where there is no way. I told you this one time years ago. 2016 I think it was. We planned seven crusades. 
But we didn't have the money. I did that. But we didn't have the money for it. I just, I just did because I felt my spirit to do it. So the guy that runs our money in the ministry, and he wasn't being negative. He was telling me the truth. You're going to be out of money by June. Well, you know, that's not a nice thing to hear. And he was right. Everyone's like, no, I won't. No, it, it, it was too many crusades and not enough money. So I'm driving in the car. It was the day he told me that. My wife had been sick. She was anemic, and she had been listening to Kenneth Copeland to build her faith while she laid bedridden. Kenneth Copeland starts his show with a song that he sang long ago. I know the Lord has made a way for me. I know the Lord has made a way. Not the Lord will make a way. I know the Lord has made a way. Do you know there's nobody in here, no matter how bad a shape you're in, that God doesn't already have a way out for you? God's not up in heaven going, I hope that guy doesn't call him, man. I don't know what I'd do. He makes a way where there is no way. So Camila was two at the time, three. Yeah, two. She'd have been two. And she, uh, she was in her car seat in the back, and I'm, I'm thinking about how I'm going to be out of money. And all of a sudden, she starts singing in the back. I know the Lord has made a way for me. I know the Lord has made a way for me. And her saying that out of her mouth, I felt the gift of faith on it. I said, Camila. She went, yeah, Pa. I said, don't stop singing that till we get to where we're going. We had about a 40-minute drive. Well, now that I gave her a license to sing, she not only didn't stop singing, she was working in like Disney hand gestures. I know the Like a young Frank Sinatra. She sang that, and as she sang that out of her mouth, my mood started to change. Everything was the same in the natural, but I knew God's hand was on my life. Now, you might not have a little two-year-old to do that in your back seat, but you need to learn how to do that with your own mouth. And when the devil is running, what do you do when the devil's putting thoughts in your head? You start speaking the opposite out of the word of God. And the devil will go find somebody else to mess with because he hates listening to scripture. The devil, not a demon, Satan himself came to Jesus in the wilderness. Jesus, he said something to him. Jesus said, it is written. He changed the subject. It is written. Change the subject. It is written. Then he went away and left him alone for a season. Three scriptures. No shaking his head. No waving flag. No, no. it is written. It is written. It is written. When you know what the word says, you become unassailable by the forces of darkness. That word's coming into your spirit right now. And what used to slap you around and torment you, I'm telling you, baby, this is going to be a different week. You're not going out to get knocked around by the devil. You're going to go out and start knocking the devil around. Not by might, not by power, but by the spirit of almighty God. Go ahead one more time. Take 20 good seconds. Let it rip. Somebody say faith can move a mountain. You can be seated. Before we close, there's a lady. I'm good worship team. I'm going to minister to you. You can go down in, in your seats. And that's not a rebuke. I just have a raspy voice from preaching twice today. I'm actually very happy. I just sound angry. No music. I'm good. So I want you, because I feel like I'm at the Academy Awards and my speech ran too long, to be honest with you. How many know God's going to touch you tonight? Can you say amen? How many know some of you, God's touching you right now? He sent his word and it healed them. 
and delivered them from all their trouble. Last Sunday, do you guys have the video ready? All right, good. If you didn't have it by now, I'd just have somebody sketch it. Oh, I forgot, I'm in Massachusetts, the home of sarcasm. You say something like that in a church in the South, it gets dead quiet. You say it up here, but all right, I like this guy. <laughs> Louisiana, we would have cleared the church out. Actually, not Alabama, Mississippi. So I, I closed the service out. Everybody say, faith, move a mighty mountain. I'm leaving. I finished preaching, and this woman has her husband walk her up to the front. And by walk, I mean just drag her motionless body. And I'm not exaggerating. In fact, we had our seniors brunch yesterday morning, and I asked if anybody wanted to say anything, and it just went around the room with everybody telling from their perspective what they saw. I was a greeter. I saw that woman come in. Now, I'm not saying this to exaggerate. I'm telling you, I've prayed for people that got healed out of a wheelchair, and they were in a wheelchair because it hurt to walk. They could do a couple steps, but they were in pain. This lady was a motionless woman. When her husband walked her up with her feet on his feet, walking her backwards, because she demanded that they not put her in the chair. She stood up during praise and worship for the first time and then would not sit back down. So when she got to me, me, Mr. Faith and Miracles, I said, let's get you sit seated back down because... It was like holding a marlin. If you ever went deep sea fishing, she, she had no, she was swaying. Like I had to hold her whole body weight up. And as you can see, I'm not that strong. You can laugh. It's true. Not going to hurt my feelings. I, I was having trouble holding her up. She was swaying. I was thinking if I lose her, she's going to hit the ground hard. She can't move her arms or anything. She's going to hit. And I just kept hearing this word in the spirit. Lawsuit. So I said, not because I wasn't going to believe for a miracle, but I thought, you know, we'll pray for you seated. It's safe. And she goes, I said, get her a chair. I'm going to sit her down. She went, I'm not sitting back down. Okay. I mean, you know, when a woman's not, doesn't mean maybe. I said, all right. So I had Abraham. Pastor Abraham that's with me and Pastor Augustine who's not with me. Come up. And I said, help me pray. But really, I needed them to help me hold her up. I'm telling you, her body was like, if I was like this, you just had to hold me up. Now, you know, maybe you could do it. I, 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 I couldn't. I, she almost took me over with her the one time because she would fall like full force. So, so it like lurched me forward. So they helped prop her up with me. I prayed. And then uh, I said to Abraham and Augustine, stay with her and pray. And then I said quietly to him, don't let her fall. Like basically I'm leaving you with her because if we all just take her hands off, she's going to hit the deck and hurt herself very badly. So I go over to talk to the next family, but I prayed. Now here's what I'm telling you. You hear from what I'm telling you. It's not like, I, and the Lord spoke to me, Jonathan, you're going to lay your hands on her and she's going to be healed. And I felt a burning power in my hand. There was none of that. My concern was her falling. But service is over. You will be amazed. Say it one more time. We walk by faith. We walk by faith. Not by sight. Not by sight. Sight's how you feel. That's why the devil trips people. I don't really feel like I. Yeah, who cares what you feel like? 
It doesn't matter how you feel. It matters what the Bible says. And the Bible says you are anointed whether you feel anointed or not. Moses, I, I mean, think about it. It doesn't matter what experiences you have. Moses had some pretty dramatic encounters with God and did not feel qualified to divide the sea, even though God told him he would. So if you go by how you feel, it won't matter if we pray for you today and you hover in place 15 feet off the ground with visible angels. When you wake up tomorrow tired, oh, man, that was a great experience, but you know, today I'm not really feeling the angels. Thank God for seeing angels. I saw one when I was a little kid. It helped me. Thank God for having experiences in the presence of God. But if you build your life on those things, you're going to go like this all through your life. I'm anointed when I feel anointed. I'm anointed when I don't feel anointed. I'm anointed when I have victory. I'm anointed when I'm staring defeat square in the eyes. And I'm telling you the same thing. Don't go by how you feel. Go by what the Bible says. The Bible says you're more than a conqueror. So when you have the opportunity to pray, pray. Speak to the mountain. And I did. With everything I'm telling you to tell you the whole truth, I did not pray like I'm talking. I said, well, Lord, just help her not to fall. I said, all right. I command the life of God to come into your body. I command you to regain full motion while my head's screaming at me the whole time. Full motion. How about just the shoulders? I mean, from the neck down, she had no movement. Hey, where's Abraham. True or false? Am I exaggerating? Which even that doesn't really like help me because he works for me, so you would just think <laughs> he has to say it. But I'm not lying, right? No. No. I'm not lying, and I'm not, I am not exaggerating because I'm going to tell you, when I went to talk to that other family and then saw a blur go by me, and it was her running full speed. And then when she stopped running, and this isn't all on, on the video, she started jumping like, hi, full up, watching her husband like this. Now, I'm going to tell you what a powerful miracle it is. Number one, I'm still talking about it eight days later. Number two, as a healing preacher, when a miracle happens, you're supposed to kind of act like you knew it was going to happen. Just go, That's right, praise the Lord. You know what I did? I went like this. I looked like Kevin's dad from Home Alone when they found out Kevin was gone. don't exactly look like a great pastor. Be healed in Jesus' name. Holy moly, it worked. You know, it's not good when instead of saying hallelujah, you say son of a gun. But I was so shocked. Shocked. Not that it worked, but to see it. I wouldn't have even had that reaction if it happened like over there, but holding her up. What what'd you think, Abraham, from your perspective? <laughs> I saw her when she was coming into the corner. I was in the lobby. We didn't meet her. And she was like that. Like her husband had to hold her up. She couldn't stand on her own, do nothing. So, like from that, she just let him go of her husband's hand and just, I mean, jumping and walking and leaping. It was so we found out, because I, I met her for the first time, seven strokes, which then caused hemorrhaging on the brain. Not only could she not move, she couldn't speak. Could not speak, could not move. And Jesus 
did that. So I taught on all this to show you. I'm not, I'm preaching on faith for a reason. That's I'll give you a little lesson on faith. I'm telling you, if you've been through hell, you're one prayer away from God knocking the hell out of your life and bringing heaven where hell was in Jesus' name. Watch the video. Watch the video. Um, I had seven strokes uh, back in March the 6th, and uh, that led to a lot of other things, brain hemorrhaging. um. I just want to tell you real quick, the photographs from that service got lost. They they, they lost the SD card. But somebody got the, the tail end of her running and jumping and then got her testimony. I said, if you got all the photos from the service and the crowd shots and me like this and whatever, but missed this. I'd have been so upset. But they got her without me asking because I was so shocked. I didn't even say, no, go give your testimony. I, was, I literally stood for like 30 seconds. Like I told the family, I, 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 let me just give me a second. I can't talk right now. <laughs> but then they got her testimony and they got the film from somebody who whipped their phone out and recorded it. I'm so glad we have her testimony. And she was in church today, standing up, waving her hands. And then there were people sitting with her that weren't there the week before. That is what the church has that nothing else has. We have the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. Go ahead, play it from the beginning. Microbrain bleed, stage 2 kidney disease, uh, malignant hypertension, a tumor on my adrenal gland was causing everything. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't run, I couldn't walk, I couldn't speak. My speaking was slurred. I kept falling down, I was confused, and um, we followed Jonathan Shuttleworth, and this morning he had said something about uh, 10 months and it's over, and it's been 10 months for me. I said, that's mine, and he said, healing, healing be all over you, and I said, that's mine, and I stood up, and I was unable to walk when I first came in, and I was running after Jonathan. Pause, not switch videos. I want you to hear, there were, not, you know, there were a lot of people there that day. And I said, be healed. And she said, I take that as mine. See, anybody could have done it, but she did it. Every woman in Israel with an issue of blood could have said, I'm going and grabbing Jesus' clothes, but one lady did it. So from this point forward, if I were you, I'd make up my mind. If nobody else gets a thing tonight, I'm getting everything tonight. There is a little bit of a selfishness in faith. That woman with the issue of blood didn't say, come on, girls, let's all go and get a touch. She went. The woman in 2 Kings chapter 4 whose son died, she didn't even talk to her husband and tell him what was happening. She got on her donkey and went straight to Elisha. Come back with me. I don't care what you're doing here. Come back with me. My My son died. I need him alive again. I want you right now. What do you believe in God to do for you? What were you diagnosed with at birth? That they said, you'll never have this work right. You'll never be able to have children. That's not God talking. That's natural things talking. And doctors are paid to diagnose from a natural perspective. They get malpractice if they just talk in faith. Hey, you're going to be fine. You're not allowed to say that as a doctor. But God's word supersedes what any man's told you. Go ahead, play it from the beginning. One more time. The other video. Um, I had seven strokes. Uh, back in March the 6th, and uh, that led to a lot of other things, brain hemorrhaging, um, microbrain bleed, stage 2 kidney disease, uh, malignant hypertension, a tumor on my adrenal gland was causing everything. 
I couldn't, uh, I couldn't run, I couldn't walk, I couldn't speak. My speaking was slurred. I kept falling down, I was confused. And um, we followed Jonathan Shuttleworth and this morning he had said something about uh, 10 months and it's over and it's been 10 months for me. I said, that's mine. And he said, healing, healing be all over you. And I said, that's mine and I stood up. And I was unable to walk when I first came in and I was running after Jonathan Shuttleworth grabbed my hand and prayed for me and said, it's over, it's over, it's broken off of you. And I felt the miraculous power of God and Jesus inside of me and just like it burst. And it felt like it just broke all the chains that were on me. And I feel like my adrenal kidney tumor, the doctors are gonna say what happened, it's not there when I go for my MRI. Back, back it up like 10 seconds. Now, this, this always happens when a miracle happens. Now, listen to what she says. Now, I just know the doctor's going to tell me that my adrenal kidney disease is gone. Watch all the faith statements she makes, because when you get touched by the power of God, yeah. it starts becoming easy just to speak. Yeah. It's like, really, after that, it's like whatever you have tonight, yeah. it, it doesn't really concern me. I, I, God is a mighty God. Yeah. And you can hear that your whole life, but one miracle will preach more than a thousand sermons on miracles. Amen. Amen. Continue. It just broke all the chains that were on me. And I feel like my adrenal kidney tumor, the doctors are going to say, what happened? It's not there. When I go for my MRI, they're going to say, your brain is not bleeding anymore. And I believe that it's healed in Jesus' name. There's no more. It's dried up. The blood is dried up like the woman with the issue 12 years. All glory to God. Thank you again for Jonathan Shuttleworth coming into this community and shining the light of God and breaking the power of evil and darkness. Amen. Say it out loud. There's nothing the devil's done that God can't do something about it. Tonight. Just lift your hands in your seat. Enough is enough. There's people sitting here that it's been one assault after another assault. Your own physical body, addiction with your children, no easy days. Maybe you've even developed a theology around it. Well, you know, that's how life goes. No, the Lord had me speak for 90 minutes tonight to drive that out of you and let you know that's not God's plan. And tonight we're going to get into the God's flow and God's plan for your life. And it's not going to take long. It took, it took about 11 seconds, 16 seconds, 21 seconds for that lady to have 10 months of strokes and bleeding on the brain completely reversed. She was in church smiling today. And God doesn't love her any more than he loves you. God doesn't heal people based on who he loves the most. He heals in response to faith. While that woman with the issue of blood was reaching to get healed, other people were making plans to kill Jesus. I don't believe him. I don't like him. So that's what determines it. If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Everybody say, I believe. I believe. Let me pray for Ms. Sansusi, my, my longtime friend. Stand up if you would. Step out into the aisle. Lift both hands, close both eyes. As you do, the power of God comes upon you. In Jesus' name. Right through your body. That's it. In Jesus' name. You know her? Mind if I pray for you? 
You can stay seated. Lift your other hand to the Lord. I loose God's power into your body. I loose God's power into your mind. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet, I command every negative thing to leave your life now in Jesus' name. I loose God's power into your being. I command you to live healthy and strong. I command every crooked path to be made straight in Jesus' name. You're going to be different after today. In Jesus' name. I command everything to turn around. In Jesus' name. I'm not saying this to be positive or whatever. I'm telling you, the Lord is touching people all over this place right now. Almost too many to call out. Just lift your hands and begin to thank him. The curse, the taste for heroin, the taste for nicotine, the taste for alcohol, addiction to fentanyl. The Lord strips it out of your system now in Jesus' name. Organs begin to kick back to life now in Jesus' name. Whatever plan the devil made for your destruction, that plan gets the legs kicked out from under it tonight in Jesus' name. You will live and not die and declare the goodness of the Lord while you're yet in the land of the living whether the devil likes it or not, in Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed, you can put your hands down. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, that's what keeps the door open for attack. You, you know, I'm from New England. You hear a lot up here. We're all God's children. That's not true. Jesus told a whole group of people, you're of your father, the devil. You're not born as God's child. The Bible says you're born in sin and shaping in iniquity. You have to be born again to come into God's family. And see, that's the devil. He wants to just relax everybody. Hey, we're all God's children. No, 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 no. It takes a positive action. I'm not going to sin. I'm going to turn my back on sin. I'm not going to live the way everybody's living and the way they're telling me to live on television. No. I make up my mind tonight. What if that woman with the issue of blood, there'd, there'd be no Bible story. Tomorrow, I'm going to go see if I can't touch him. One of these days. No, no, one of these days will get you killed. The Bible says now is the appointed time. Today is the day of salvation. You have to make up your mind tonight. I'm done with sin. I'm done with the devil. And when you do that, it closes the door. If I'm a, if I'm a citizen of Pakistan, the Pakistani government can do to me whatever they want. But if I'm out of that country and I'm an American citizen in America, there's no, there's no corrupt police officer from Pakistan that can come over here and trouble me. I'm not in their country anymore. When you live in the devil's kingdom, he can oppress you at will. But when you are transferred out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of God's dear son, the devil has no capacity. To touch you, the Bible says he holds them securely in his strong right hand, and the evil one touches them not. So I want to ask you, has there ever been a time in your life where you've made a public decision to turn your back on sin and make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Because I'm telling this is not me trying to get you to join my religion. I'm getting you hooked up with God as an ambassador of God. When you do that, instead of needing prayer for a thousand branches on a tree, God will blow the old root up and plant a new tree. People deal with the branches. This deals with the root. I, I battle addiction. Get saved. 
Get born again. Get God's life on the inside of you. The same way Jesus, does Jesus battle addiction? Does Jesus battle addiction? Well, when his life is in you, as easy as it was to be addicted, it's that difficult to get addicted. Because there's something in you that doesn't want alcohol. You want to drink as much as you want to help somebody move. Not at all. Can you say amen? But then when your heart's not been changed, then it becomes difficult. Somebody invites you to sin and you like sinning. So, well, no, I know. I was listening to a guy. He flew up here from Pittsburgh. He was saying, no, no, no. That can't be it. You have to get rid of that heart and have God put a new heart in you. And God's going to do that tonight. I said, God's going to do that tonight. He's going to take your trodden down, beaten down heart that the devil's mashed and hit with blow after blow. God's not going to heal that heart. He will take out that heart of stone and give you a new heart. Will you let him do it tonight? Why hold on to your old life? When God will give you new life, not behavior modification, new life. If you say, Jonathan, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to turn my back on sin. I want to make Jesus my Lord and Savior, and I'm doing it tonight. I want you to quickly come out of your seat and join me at the front. I'm going to pray with you right now. Those of you with more boldness, come first. It'll help those that are more timid, but come. Come out of your seat. I'm done. You coming out of your seat's a sign to the devil. I'm done with you. I don't care what the crowd thinks. I make my decision tonight. I'm going to be born again and serve Jesus Christ. If you need to do that, I want you to do that right now. You don't have to worry if you're the only one. I'm already here. Come. Come. If the Lord's speaking to you, come right now. I want to turn my back on sin. I want to know I have a home in heaven. I want a new life through Jesus Christ. Come right now. We'll pray. Won't do anything weird. Won't do anything strange. Just pray. Has there ever been a time in your life where you've done that? Do it tonight. Make tonight the night that you say yes to Jesus. In Jesus' name. Anyone before we pray? All right. I wanted to give the opportunity. I'm going to lay hands on everybody that wants hands laid on tonight. Two things. Number one, if, you need, if you're sick, if you're oppressed, if you're bound, God's going to take care of that by the laying on of hands. Secondly, if you came in here like Brother Wesley, you said, no, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not struggling with anything. I'm, I'm living the Christian life. Then I came, like Paul said to the church in Rome, I long to be with you that I may share some spiritual gift with, with you to the end that you may be established. I don't say that in pride, but I came here to take what the grace that God's put in my life and by the laying on of hands impart it, that you carry something out of this meeting different than what you came in with. Can you say amen? amen. Everybody that's in this section that would like prayer, quickly stand up and go right over to this wall and just stand with your back up against the wall. That'll save on catching. Shoulder to shoulder, don't group up. You shouldn't be in front of or behind anyone. Shoulder to shoulder, right along the wall. Everybody that's in this section, far section that would like prayer, same thing, but up against this wall and towards the back. I'll take the first three rows that want prayer. No one has to get prayer. Just stand right across the front. Give me enough room to get through. Shoulder to shoulder, right across the front. And then everybody that's behind, row four and behind, you can do the same thing, but along the back wall, ushers will help me. Don't, don't get behind or in front of anybody. I'm going to pray for you. Tonight's your night. 
You guys line up quick. It's like military school. <laughs> New England's quick, man. You go to a Dunkin' Donuts in Boston, there's 15 people in the drive-thru. You get your coffee faster than two in Georgia. <laughs> Every hand lifted to the Lord. Every pastor that's here, the Lord's going to give you an impartation where when you come back to your church, Signs and wonders are going to begin to flow. I, I, that's what I feel right now. Signs and wonders becoming the order of the day. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Signs and wonders belong to you. Trouble and calamity doesn't belong to you. Signs and wonders belong to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for signs. I and the children you have given me, they are for signs and for wonders in Israel. Isaiah eight eighteen. Signs and wonders belong to you. Take this rod and with it do signs. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord, for great healings today. Thank you for great miracles that the name of your holy child, Jesus, would be glorified and exalted in New England. In Jesus' name, I command and take two steps out. I was going to call you out and pray for you. Lift both hands, close both eyes. An end comes to all your struggles tonight. This is a turning point in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Everything you've been praying for that you haven't been able to grasp, I command it to come into your possession now. In Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus, I command today everything to turn, to turn, doors to come open. In Jesus' mighty name, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for signs and wonders that belong to us. Thank you for every Red Sea parting. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, O oh Lord. Be blessed. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Pondoreka Iskondiana. That's it. Take two steps out. Lift both hands, close both eyes. Enough is enough. Enough is enough, yeah. Thank you. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. Kibrondo resta. E candianamo. Kita. Thank you, Lord. El milagros de Dios. En el nombre de Jesús. Gracias, Señor. Roco, raca. Istondiana mondie. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be your name forevermore. Blessed be your name forevermore. Lift your hands up even higher as you do the power of God comes upon you. In, that's it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Blessed be your name. Forever and ever be healed in your body. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you're filled with the Spirit, begin to pray in the Spirit. If you've not yet been filled, just begin to tell Jesus how much you love him. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name forever and ever. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. No, I got that. In Jesus' mighty name. That's it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name. Ricondo roto iscandianamo rica. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Dobro stondianama kindiarabo rikandianamosta. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I give you glory. I give you honor. I give you praise. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Be healed. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your power. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Take two steps out. Take it as a gift. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank
Jesus name in Jesus name now just lift your hands wherever you're at and begin to thank the Lord for what he gave you thank him for what you've received like this like thank you Jesus thank you that I've received a fresh touch of the of your spirit and your fire to go forth from here and do great and mighty works for you in Jesus name in Jesus my name continue to thank him thank you Jesus Thank you, Jesus. I bless this child. In Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Every hand lifted. I command you to be healed all the days of your life. I command your up and down struggles with your health to cease today in Jesus' name. Even things that would be considered a normal part of aging. The word declares, as your days are, so shall your strength be. Receive that tonight in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Do me a favor. Just lift your hands and take about 30 more seconds and begin to thank the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be your name forever and ever and ever. Rondo reka, iskondianamo, brigondo ropo, ishtandianamo. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Great are you, Lord. Greatly to be praised. To brondo re, iskondianamo. Ashkandia, Rikondo Roto. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Pondo Repa, Istandiana Mondie, Rondo Re, Ikandiana Mostere. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You are good and your mercy endures forever. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. I'm going to have you say something out of your spirit. Say, thank you, Jesus, that tonight I've received your word and your power. Things cannot be the same. I am free from every oppression of the devil. I am healed of every sickness and disease. Everything that was blocking my advancement. Those barriers have been destroyed. I'm going forward. In Jesus' name. Now lift your hands and thank the Lord for it one more time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. All God's people said amen. Amen. We'll turn and high-five somebody on your way back to your seat. 
We'll dismiss you in just a couple of minutes. Praise the Lord. You helped me out a lot tonight. Thank you. Was anybody genuinely blessed tonight? Good. This was a great first night. How many are glad Pastor Brian opened it up for a full week of revival meetings? I'm going to play you a video that makes, uh, would make some people upset, but probably not most of you. And I didn't have much to do with it. A guy, when I finished preaching two years ago, came up to me at the altar and he said, I just took delivery of a Falcon 50 aircraft. It's going to take me about two, two years to get it ready to fly. I'm going to redo the whole insides, but when I do, I'm going to call you and I'm going to, I'm going to set you up for you to just ha have it to use. Well, that sounded so insane and I'd never met the guy before. I just thought, yeah, whatever, you know, you hear people say stuff so they get excited in church, they're happy, and so they just say stuff. So I thought, I'll never hear from that guy again, but he called in January and he said, it's going to take me till about the end of summer, but I almost had that plane ready to fly. Well, if he would have given it to me two years ago, I would have had to give it back. Those things cost $21,000 just to fill up with, with gas. Search making your car tank not seem like such a big deal. <laughs> but then what happened in those two years since that happened, I was telling Pastor Rodney today on the phone, it's amazing how when you just follow God's path and you don't try to do anything, you just go, go with the, the river. That it, that it worked out. And in the last two years, we started chartering aircraft all the time, especially once we started pastoring, you know, Sunday morning, then go preach somewhere Sunday night. You can't do that commercially. So then money just started to be in the budget for that. So then when he delivered the plane, I mean, if he'd have given me a, the, that plane two years ago, I couldn't have afforded the hangar. You know, you're not allowed to park them in the back of a Walmart. They get mad. So... You have to get a hanger, but it all, it was just easy. It's actually going to save us about half a million dollars a year. For example, in Pittsburgh, for whatever reason, we never asked. They're going to sell us the fuel. We're not allowed to say it because then other people could negotiate using that. But basically for slightly more than car fuel, jet fuel's 10 to $12 a gallon. They're selling it to us for slightly more than, than car fuel. So just that's going to save me. It's going to be like 11000 to gas up as opposed to 21000 to gas up. And uh, I was paying full price with the other plane. So it's not like it's a new expense. I was already doing all this. And now, and it's a better plane. It has three engines. For example, if you had a Gulf Stream, you have to land in Nashua or Logan. You can't land in Fitchburg because the runway's not long enough. It's a big, heavy plane. But this three-engine plane, not only with three engines is it safe, because you can lose two and still fly. You don't want to lose two and still fly, but you can lose two and still fly. <laughs> and if you lose three... You're not tithing. I can tell you that right now. I would, I, would I would check my tithing records. So stuff like that, whereas a two-engine plane, you know, you, you lose one, it's trouble. You, can, you could lose two. Then second, when you go to land, that third engine up top goes in reverse thrust so it can slow down the plane super fast. So you could land at Fitchburg even though it's a, it's a proper jet. 
So uh, I just want to show you this miracle that the Lord did. People get upset, you know. If you like it so much, why don't you become the pilot? I don't know what that means. I don't know how that would help anything. Like if that lady found out I was the pilot, then she's okay. All right, as long as he's flying it, not sitting in the back drinking coffee. You know, the Lord gave this to me. I'm not allowed to tell what our lease deal is, but it's, it's insane. It, the whole thing's insane. So Monday, Monday's when it came, right after that lady got healed from the stroke, they told me they were flying it in, and I went to the airport to receive it, and this is it, getting flown into Pittsburgh. So if, if you care, enjoy this miracle. Roll it. There's no shortage of money. It's just in the wrong hands. God is going to do something about that in 2023. I said, God is going to do something about that in 2023. Groundbreaking generational financial testimonies. The wealth that's being kept in cisterns, not secured by wicked men, will be tapped this year and flow like a mighty river into the hands of the righteous. Groundbreaking generational financial testimonies. The kind you'd hear about once in a lifetime in church will become the order of the day in 2023. Financially speaking, 2023 will be an extra bad year to be wicked and an amazing year to be righteous. Isn't that awesome? So the reason, one of the reasons I played it, this is the main reason I played it, is I, it never dawned on me until I got in the plane. This, today, today, tonight was the first flight we ever took. The, the first flight that we ever took in a private aircraft was to Fitchburg. It, exactly 10 years ago, the year my daughter was born, 2013. And I won't go into that whole story. That was a miracle. But that was a, that was a single engine plane. And, and think, amazing. So Fitchburg was the first private flight I ever took. And then uh, Fitchburg is the first flight we took with that new jet. So this church has had an integral part in my life. My, um, you know, think how we've all grown, what the Lord's done in 10 years. Taking a little plane, then taking that. You guys were in the other building. Now you're here doing great. God's path is an upward path. If you'll just stay on the path. Um, I'll tell you one other th cool thing that happened. Is This part's not cool, but my grandmother, 91 years old, Tiff and Ted, their mother, she passed away at 91 years old uh, last week. So the funeral is Tuesday at 10 in the morning in, in uh right outside of Clarksburg, West Virginia. So if I didn't have that plane, then we, I have to call Pastor Brian and say, hey, listen, I'm not going to be able to, we're going to have to cancel Sunday, Monday and Tuesday, and I'll start Wednesday. But now I'm going to leave right after church Monday night, 
fly through the night. I'll be in Clarksburg. I mean, that thing goes Mach 0.86. I'll be in Clarksburg faster than I could get to Boston driving. I'll be there in about an hour and five minutes. And then uh, go to the funeral, go to the burial, and I'm back up here in an hour and five minutes. I, I can go eat with my family straight up through di- dinner time. I, I can leave at, at we're going to fly back into Fitchburg. I, I could leave, uh, what's the Fitchburg airport from here, 11 minutes? Yeah, yeah. yeah so I, I could be with my family till 6, six ten in the afternoon and still be here when there's two songs left in praise and worship. <laughs> so then here's the other thing. Everybody say, blessed to be a blessing. My sister lives in Montreal. So I got this idea. It took me two days because I'm fairly selfish. But I said, uh, are, you, are you having trouble finding airplane tickets to come from Montreal to West Virginia? You know, there's no direct flight Montreal to West Virginia. She said, yeah. She said, I don't, I hate it, but I, I probably am not going to be able to come. She, she has her husband and two very young kids. And... Um, I said, well, I'm going to be in Fitch. No, look how the Lord worked things out. She's in Montreal. Montreal is only four hours and 20 minutes from here, 440 maybe. And I said, can you get to Fitchburg? She said, yeah. I said, not to hear me preach, but I said, if you can be there by 11 o'clock at night on um, Monday night, I said, just, I said, they're, they're, they're dropping a plane off at my house. <laughs> what a weird, insane thing to say. <laughs> And uh, I said, if you can get there, you can just bring your, your husband and your, and your two kids on. And I said, they'll have the whole front of the plane. You know, they don't have to, they can run around. They can make noise. There's a bathroom. It's, you know how it is taking a toddler on a plane. It's a nightmare. <laughs> and I said, they can, you know, if your son freaks out, he's just a little guy. And they got tons of energy. He can freak out to an extent. You can't open the doors and stuff. <laughs> Can't take a knife up into the cockpit, but other than that, it's pretty wide open. And I said, so you can just have an easy flight, fly down with me to the funeral, and I'll fly right back up, and you drive back home. She went, are you serious? When she said, are you serious, I was thinking, I was thinking, am I serious? Do you understand? The first time I came here to hold a revival, I was driving a car that could not be registered because it needed work done to it. I'm not lying, right? Didn't somebody from here... Didn't, Pat, didn't Brother Steve take my car to his shop and replace the windshield or something and put new tires on it? You know your tires suck when people are just looking at them going, you know what, I'm going to get you new tires because I don't even like you, but I'm concerned you could die, and I don't not like you that much. That was happening, but those days are over. Because who cares where you are now? Pay attention to where you're going. Where you are now is not where you're going to stay. You're going higher in Jesus' name. Amen? And that's all in, uh, in 12 years, from unregistered car to registered aircraft. I mean, and then the, the rest of the stuff the Lord did. That's called, that, that plane's made by a company called Dassault. I'm sure it's, it's French, so I'm sure I'm mispronouncing it. But Dassault in American, I'm sure it's Dassault or something like that. The top mechanic... You know Patrick that runs the money from our ministry, Patrick Franz, if you've ever seen him? He does check the market. His father-in-law's uncle, who lives 40 minutes from the church, is not a Falcon 50 mechanic. He's the number one Falcon 50 mechanic in the world that gets flown to France to train the mechanics in France. 
And he lives out in the woods in Pennsylvania near, near where the plane is. You know, if I was an atheist, after these two things, I'd start going, okay, maybe there is a God sometimes. Now, what does this have to do with an offering? I have no idea. But I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to put my faith with yours that to, from tonight, what would seem, I'm telling you this, not to sound humble or anything. I'm telling you this factually. If somebody would have come up to me in 2011 or 2013 or 2015 or 2019, because I know what stuff costs. So I believe the Lord's going to give you a jet. And I would have. Didn't you say it all the time today? He would tell me back, I'm telling you, when I had no business needing a jet, he goes, I'm praying that the Lord's going to give you a jet. And I think, I don't want one. I'd have to sell it or give it back. I can't afford the fuel for it. I know what they cost. I know what I, I had an 800 square foot office that we were barely making the payments on, let alone a hangar that can hold that thing. I, I can't do it. But the Lord, if someone would have given me a prophetic word four years ago, the Lord's going to give you a jet. I think, I, don't, I think you got the wrong preacher. Because even if he did, I, I got to get rid of it. Don't, don't. God has a very, very high plan for your life. I'm 43. You might be 63 or 73 and thinking, yeah, no, I wish I'd have heard that earlier. I'm telling you. God didn't call Abraham till he was 70. God got started working with Moses at 80 and 80. He didn't live in the time when people were living those six and 700 years old. Moses died at 120. And in 40 years, here we are talking about him in Massachusetts all these years later. However your life started out, it's not going to stay that way. You and Jesus are going to write the final chapter, and it's going to be a glorious chapter in Jesus' name. If you believe that, can you clap your hands one more time? I think people get nervous, not you guys. But I think people in general get nervous if they see the preacher flies in his own plane because they, they think you're going to try to beat the cost of it out of them in the offering. It's actually saving. We're going to save close to half a million a year. It's, it's all in the budget. It's, if I seem pressure-free, it's because I'm pressure-free. I'm not trying to pay for that. It was delivered. There were no offerings taken for it. His yoke is and his burden is. The blessing of the Lord makes a man. I like that part when I was poor. But I'm starting to fall in love with the second part of that verse even more. And addeth no sorrow. I'll sleep easier with that plane than I did when I had nothing but a car. Because I actually didn't have the money for the car. And the Lord has taken care of everything. When you give tonight, that's what you tap into. You don't give to help a preacher pay his bills. You give to come into a financial covenant with God. And God sees when you care about his thing. Then he starts putting concern on your thing. And when God cares about what you're doing, it shows. Can you say amen? amen? It's been great watching your two boys prosper. Great watching them. Been great watching a bunch of you prosper. Doing well in Bible school and then doors opening up after Bible school. Stay on the path. Sow a seed with your faith attached to it tonight. What do you believe in God to do for you? What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what's never entered into the heart of man, that's what God has prepared for those who love him. And giving is proof of love. Can you say amen? That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. If you need an offering envelope, hold up your hand and they'll give you one. If you're watching online, revivaltoday.com and you click give now. Thank you for your giving online, revivaltoday.com. 
Click give now. Thanks for inviting me back to Massachusetts. This is the state I got married in. This is the first place I ever uh, was in the ministry at, at St. Paul Evangelical Church in Lexington, Massachusetts. They somehow, for some reason, maybe the youth pastor. Massachusetts is a special state full of great people. And if you compliment people in Massachusetts, it gets real quiet because they don't like that. They like you to make fun of them. But I'm, I stick by what I said. If you're watching online and you'd like to mail a check, Revival Today, P.O. Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15329. Thank you for your giving. I'll give you a minute to do that. Cash app, dollar sign RT give. If you want to give whatever's left in your crypto account, you can scan that QR code. Thank you, Jesus. I want to say something while you're giving, and then I'll leave you alone and dismiss you. I was at an event not long ago, and uh, I talked to Adalus on the way back from that event because it was a it was a small assemblies of God function, and I said, you know, I have a new respect an appreciation for Pastor Brian because he came from this. All he was supposed to be was a small assemblies of God pastor. And he sought out different men of God. There's a word in the Bible called meek and it says the meek shall inherit the earth. Meekness is because it rhymes with weak. People think it's being like weak. Meekness is teachability. Moses was the meekest man on the face of the earth. He listened to his father-in-law. He didn't say, I've seen God face to face. You're going to tell me. He did exactly what his father-in-law told him to do when his father-in-law had a good idea. I said, Pastor Brian sought out different impartations to have my dad in, to have me in, to have my Uncle Ted in. You're not supposed to have my Uncle Ted in an Assemblies of God church. He didn't care. He, he went after people who, who had... Who carried God? And he didn't act like a know-it-all. Went after it. What, do you, what, what should I do? What do you know? You have, I'm not saying this because he's my friend. I'm telling you this as somebody that travels to churches full-time. You have one of the top pastors in the United States in this church who's hungry for God. You know, he looks super young, but he's heading up on 60 years old. So I'm saying that because how come he's... Listen, how come he's not complacent? He shouldn't even be winding down. They tell you to start thinking about retirement at 55, and he's not. He's winding up. You should be thankful for the pastor that you have at this church. He's not replaceable. He's a great man of God. I want you to give a big hand clap to your pastor and my friend and a gift from God to New England as he receives the offering tonight. Come up with me. Now, I'm done for tonight. I will stay around other nights and talk. But tonight, you need to remember that I'm a very famous TV preacher, and I can't be troubled to talk to regular people. No, I'm done. I'm, uh, I have nothing to say. If you wanted to talk to me, it would be like talking to an orange traffic cone at this point. Please give one more great hand clap to Pastor Brian. I'll see you tomorrow night. God bless everyone in Jesus' name. 
Thank you for sharing the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. If you're interested in supporting our mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, please visit revivaltoday.com and click on Give Now to become one of our monthly partners. Thank you in advance. We hope to see you soon.